Amen. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Welcome to our South Campus and everyone watching online as well. Uh, our media department told me that we have approximately 300 households that watch live stream every Sunday morning. And so we have like a whole nother crowd out there. So uh, those of you that are watching, we just passed the offering bucket. If it didn't come past your couch, your sofa, or your bed, you can, you can give online and help support the vision and the mission of Rock Family Church as well. Hey, get out your Bibles this morning. We're in one of, every, every new series is my favorite series. I'm, I'm like, I'm in it to win it. I am just totally loving this because see, what you have to realize is, is this is first ministering to me and lighting up my relationship with Jesus Christ before I share it with you. And uh, we're in all access, and, and you better have your all access pass. And, and I love some of you. I'm seeing you wear them back to church. I love you. You get extra brownie points in heaven. But uh, uh, if you want one of these, use them as a bookmark. Hang on to them. Use it as a reminder of who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done for you. Our foundational text is taken from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, because of what Jesus has done and we put our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Uh, Kim and I were, were, flew home from Dallas. We were at a conference and, and uh, I, I saw this uh, family uh, waiting on, I think it was the dad that was coming in. And when the little kid sees the dad, it is a full-on sprint. He didn't say, I don't know, does dad love me? Is he mad at me? I don't know if I should. I, do you think he wants to see me? No, I love the faith of a child that just sprints. And that's the way God wants you to come into his presence. Just sprint and run to his throne to spend time with Abba, Father, your heavenly Father, because he loves and adores you. Today in, in part four, if you've missed any of the previous parts, go back and watch them online, get the free CDs. Today in part four, we're talking about all access, uh, access to the new you. You see, Jesus was, was here on earth and he, he met a man named Nicodemus. And he began to talk to Nicodemus and, and Nicodemus began to ask, you know, what, what must I do? You know, how, how do I have this eternal life? And Jesus expressed in John chapter 3 and verse 3, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And, and, and Nicodemus was, just had a very honest response. He said, modern day translation, Jesus, my mother won't appreciate that. How can I go back into my mother's womb? How can I be born all over again? And Jesus said this, not born of water, but be born of the Spirit. See, if you're taking notes this morning, how do we get this new version of you, this new identity? Number one, we must be born again. We must be born again. We have to become a new person. We've got to let go of the old and grab hold of the new. We've got to be born again. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. 
Now, here's one of the mistakes that we make in understanding this, this scripture and in, in light of it, is we think that when we are born again, we're going to be zapped and we're never going to want to sin anymore. Kind of a, I will serve the Lord all the days of my life, I will never sin again. And, and that we become kind of a zombie for Christ and that we never have to deal with, with all those sin issues that we've once had. But yet that, our bodies weren't born again, our spirits were born again. Our spirits were made alive unto God. We had a spiritual birth, not a physical birth. Here's the way I can put it. God makes everything new. So a baby is born, it doesn't have an FBI rap sheet. It has no history. It's, it's never disobeyed. It's, it's never done wrong or evil. It is pure and, could we say, innocent. And that's what we are when we are born again. Look what the scriptures say in the Living Bible. Just a couple other translations. It says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Or could we say, a new life has been born says in the Message Bible, anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. The Amplified says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. What has passed away? The previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because the spiritual awakening brings a new life. So here's what I could say to you. This is you pre-Jesus. You are a sinner, you lie, you cheat, you steal, you envy, you lust, but when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, this is who you become. Washed, clean, pure, holy, righteous, sanctified, justified, righteous, and you are a child of the Most High God. This is who you were. This is who you become. This is who you were. This is who you become. Some of you need to get a vision because the enemy says, this is who you are and it's your identity. And you say, no, I don't no longer identify with the sinful nature and the carnal lifestyle. I identify with what the Bible says about me. I identify with what Jesus says about me. I identify with whom God says I am, not who the devil says I am. Because you have been washed and purified, and the enemy will say, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You're a sinner, you're a heathen, you're a lowlife. Yes, I used to be, but that was done away with. I've been washed, and I've been cleansed, and this is the way we need to live. And now, watch, it's a clean slate. Now we can write a brand new history. We have been born again. We have a new beginning. And how we write our future is going to depend on who's, 
whose pen the hand is in. Is, is, is the pen in God's hand or is the pen in Satan's hand? Who are we going to allow to write on the heart of our life? Who are we going to invest our time to and give our life to and give our attention to? To the old ways or to the new ways? Does that make sense? But as we understand this, this process, we understand that number two, the transformation is a maturing process. You're not just like zapped and you're like, woohoo, everything, wow, I am a spiritual giant. No, you're just like this picture here, you're a spiritual baby. And what do spiritual babies do? What do, what do infants do? They, they cry, they, 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 they spit their food out, they, they fill their diapers, and, and, and they do things. Now, if, if my seven-year-old is doing things like my six-month-old, we have issues. And see, there are a lot of Christians that you have been born again spiritually for five years, 10 years, 50 years, and you're still wanting people to change you. You're still throwing your Cheerios of life on the floor and going and crying because they're down there because you pushed them on the floor. You're acting like a baby. I have a word from God. Grow up. But how do we grow up? I go from a, I'm an infant to a child to an adolescent to a young adult to what? A fully reproducing mother or father in the kingdom of God. Look what it says in Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God who began, he began the good work within you when you were born again. And that he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. In other words, you are going to be spiritually growing, spiritually developing until Jesus comes back. If you think you've arrived or you, if your spouse thinks they've arrived, nudge, nudge them and say, you're not there yet. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means that it's a transformation process. Um, something we use around here is, is we use this wheel of, this wheel of growth. Over here, we're dead and we have unbelief, but then we are born again and we have a new beginning. We are an infant spiritually, and infants, we're a little bit ignorant to the things of God. We don't understand things, but then as we grow, how do you grow? You grow by hearing the word of God. You grow by fellowshipping with believers. As you begin to grow, you begin to develop as a child. You begin to take some baby steps of faith. You begin to pray on your own. You don't have to have everyone wipe your mouth and, and take care of you. You begin to do some, some childlike steps of faith. And then you grow and you become what we would call a young adult. And this is where you begin to serve. It's no longer about you. It's, it's now you're willing to help others. And then we don't want you to grow up to be an adult because there are many Christians that are sterile and they don't reproduce. We want you to grow up to be a parent. And this is where you live your life intentionally. And what parents do is they go back to the nursery and they say, sign me up. Give me some spiritual babies. I want to help them grow and mature in their walk with God. 
And that's what the beauty of a church is. The beauty of church is that we come together, babies, infants, children, uh, 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 young, young adults, and fully matured uh, parents, and we come together and we help one another. We don't despise someone in the church because, because they're still sinning and they're still, they're still acting and, and doing baby and, and spitting and, and biting and doing child baby things. No, we just say, it's okay. We just pat them on the head. It's okay. They're just a spiritual child. We're, we're not going to get mad at them over it. Okay? I have people that come in here that are born again. Born again. And they had, they had alcohol for breakfast. You say, how do you know that? Because it's obvious. You say, well, bless God. How can someone have alcohol for They're an infant. They're ignorant. They think that alcohol is their answer. And alcohol is going to get them through the day. So that's where we come and we put our arms around them and we say, let us show you a better way. You see... You see, church is great that we have it available online, but you can't replace person-to-human-to-human contact. You can't replace it when you're having a bad day. Someone comes and puts their arm around you and just gives you a hug and says, I care. You can't can't get that on Facebook. I don't care how many emoticons and, and emojis that you send. You can't. Feel the, the, the human touch. There's something powerful about a, a human contact. And so pastors have been talking. Is the local church going to go away? Are we, I, dear God, I pray not. Because I need you. I need your fellowship. I, I love the power of coming together and worshiping together. And there's, there's a power in that corporate atmosphere of us coming together. But we come together and we grow. Well, how do we grow here at Rock? Thrive Discipleship. Small groups, they meet on Tuesday mornings for the women's group, Wednesday nights for men's and women's groups at the Woodman campus, Tuesday nights at the South campus, and to get involved in a Thrive Discipleship group, you need to go to Life on the Rock and the Grow 201 class. Happens on the second Sunday of every month. Get involved in that, and we're gonna, and then in that group, we've got a couple parents, we have a couple adolescents, we got a couple children, and we bring a couple babies in there. And we grow together, and it gets messy sometimes. And it's not like, oh, we're just a fine kind of group. It gets a little messy. And, 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 but that's doing life together and growing up spiritually together. Look what it says in Romans 12, 2 about this transformation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. The word transform is the same word that is used that when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. It's the same Greek word, the metamorphosis. It is a transformation. It was one thing transforming into another thing. A lot of you are ugly green worms and God took you and he transformed you and now you're a beautiful butterfly. And you look back at your old life and you go, oh, that was gross. You used to crawl on the ground and do all kinds of sin. And now you're flying. And you're flying in your relationship with Christ. Let God transform you into a new person by how? Everyone say it with me. Changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. 
The enemy says, think this way. God says, think this way. The enemy says, think this is who you are. This is, this is who you were born to be. No, this is who you were born to be. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for, which is, for that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Look how it says it in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your, say it, thoughts and attitudes. So it's what you're reading, it's what you're seeing, it's what you're, it's what you're feeding on. Are you feeding on the things of God's Word that, that, that purposes you toward this new life in Christ? Or are you still thinking like the old man? Do you still have the old attitudes and mindset? When you begin to capture that who you are in Christ, that you've been washed and redeemed and set apart and chosen by God and adopted into His family, it's going to transform the way you live and the way you do life. Let's go on. No, go back. No, I didn't mean that. Go on. Go back. Verse 24. It says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. It says, put on your new nature. Remember last week we talked about the prodigal son. And the first thing they did is the father put the, the, the brand new, the best robe in the house on him that represented his privileges into the family. He put a ring on his finger that represented the power and the authority that he had restored in the family. And he put sandals on his feet that represented he's no longer a slave without, without shoes, but with shoes, with sandals, he's recognized as a son and your position was restored. We have to be dressed in robes of righteousness, not running around in our rags of sin. We have to remember who we are and what we look like and how we are dressed and how we live and how we function. Point number three, our greatest challenge is letting go of who we used to be in order to become who God created us to be. That's not who I am. I used to do those things. I used to be that way. But I'm a new person in Christ Jesus, set apart to do the goodness of God. Colossians 1, 3, 1 says, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Now, I don't have time to read the rest of this chapter, but it goes on and it talks about being clothed with love and kindness and generosity to, to take off the, the old carnal nature and to put on the new nature, to, to let our life be hidden with him and to put on the new nature and to clothe ourselves with love and goodness, to put on the character of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to take the last few minutes that we have here this morning and I want to talk about how, do you, how are you transformed from a zero to a hero? How do you make this transformation that I am a sinner, I'm nothing? How do you take on this new version of you? 
And one of the best, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Gideon. It's found in Judges chapter 6 and verse 7. I'm not going to take time to read it. We're just going to read a few excerpts, but let me give you a little backstory. Israel has rebelled against God. They've forsaken their relationship with God. And God said, okay, and he takes his hand off of them. The Midianites come in and they are totally destroying the people of Israel. They, the Bible says they're coming in like a locust and, and they're devouring all of their crops. If they don't take their crops, they're destroying them. When they come in, they're gathering all of their herds and flocks and, and sheep and, and cattle and camel and everything that they have. And Israel is in a plate of de- place of destitution. They are in object poverty. They are starving. They, are, they, have, they have just been oppressed and, and they have nothing. And then the children of Israel have an aha moment. God, help us. And God responds. And God goes and speaks to a man named Gideon. Let's pick up there of this uh, experience. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ab, 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 that guy. <laughs> Gideon's son of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. He's trying to hide and to save. Can, can I? And he's hiding so that. They don't see A, him, and see B, the little bit of food that he has been able to gather. And he's threshing the wheat to try and get a few grains of wheat together so he can make some bread and eat a meal. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, uh, Austin, can you, do, can you add some reverb to me? This, this, it, needs a little, it needs a little oompa to it. The Spirit of the Lord said, tell me, give me a thumbs up when you know you're ready. The Spirit of the Lord said, are we there? Okay, just tell me when you're ready. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. It just didn't do it justice otherwise. A, an angel appears... A voice resonates, mighty hero. And Gideon's like, where? Where's a hero? He didn't recognize that the angel was talking to him. The angel was speaking to him. And here's Gideon's reply. In verse 13, he says, sir, let me read like he said, if if the Lord is with us, why? Why? I just want to know why, God. Why has all this happened to us? Why was I born to an alcoholic family? Why did my loved one die? Why didn't I get the job? Why is this happening to me now? Why? Wah, wah, wah. He goes on. He says, and, and where are all the miracles of our ancestors told us about? Don't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but how the Lord has abandoned us? And he's handed us over to the Midianites. On your hand up. This transformation from a zero to a hero, thinking like a victim, clouds our view of the potential victory at hand. 
An angel of the Lord. Many theologians believe this is the Lord Jesus Christ appearing in the flesh on earth and speaking to Gideon. I just know it's an angel of the Lord. It's a messenger from God. We have a message from God. You are a hero and you're the one to deliver Israel. But see, if you keep playing the victim card, it, it, it keeps your focus from going to the God who is your answer. Because here's what we're saying when we say why, is we're ultimately really truly saying that God had a part in it, God caused it, and God, at least he allowed it to happen. Well, God allows everything to happen here on this earth. He gave man a free choice and a free will. And he won't override that. And as long as we're blaming God, we're never going to run to him for hope and answers. So the enemy wants you to ask why, wants you to continue to ask why, because he wants to separate you and your walk with Christ. And he wants to keep you weak and beat down. When Gideon asks the question why, God directs him back to the answer. Remember what we said? The transformation comes from the way we think. God didn't even speak to all of his whys. Look, look how verse 14 it says. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. He didn't, he didn't, did you notice he didn't address his whys? Well, you did the miracles before with our forefathers and you're not doing miracles now. Here's what God was saying. Stay focused on the mission. Stay focused at what God is asking us to do. Don't ask why what happened in the past. Oh, my brain wants to say every time I go to a hospital visit, I'm going to pray with somebody. I'm going to pray for God's healing touch. The enemy reminds me of every other person that I prayed for that has died. I don't know what happened with them. This is a new day. And I I know what the word of God declares, and I'm living and I'm walking by faith and not by sight, and I'm not walking by my circumstances. Now watch this. Go with the strength you have. He didn't say, hey, I need you to work out. I need you to read your Bible. I need you to go to prayer three times a day. He didn't say, I need you to do some spiritual push-ups. I need you to get spiritually developed. He said, go in the strength you have. I am sending you. The same I am. When when they came to arrest Jesus and they said, are you Jesus? And he said, I am. And it says they all fell down as dead men because of the power and the presence of God. The great God, the great I am. I am is saying he's on your side. I am is saying that he's with you in the battles that you face. Point number two, in our weakness, the greatness of God shines the brightest. When we humble ourselves in the sight of God, then he can use us. When we get too proud and we try and do it our own way, we hinder God. It's in our weakness that God can do his greatest exploits because it's less of me and it's more of him. People ask me, or maybe don't realize what it's like to stand up here every week and speak. And there are times that I'm preparing and I'm praying. I'm like, God, I got nothing. I don't want to say, I just gave everything I had last Sunday. 
and now you want me to do it again next Sunday? God, I, 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 I. And you know what one of the comments I get in the lobby is this. Were you, did you, did you, did you have our house bugged this last week? Because the things that you were talking about is the things that my family knows talking about. And you, it's like you just heard and said wow, what we're facing. All I do is I humble myself and go, God, I am just a servant. You spoke through a jackass in the Bible, and here I am. Send me. And I go to the Spirit of God and I say, God, help me to minister. Help me to share your word. Help me to bring life to the encouragement to the people. And he gives me insight and, and wisdom and revelation and he helps me grow. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, Paul said. The thorn in the flesh. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why, listen to what he says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But how does Gideon respond? Judges 6.15. But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Once again, he doesn't, he doesn't answer his question. He focuses him to the answer. He focuses him to the word of God. When you have questions in life, go to the scriptures. Let the scriptures refocus and transform us. I am with you and I will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Whoa. It's going to be such an easy fight, you're going to feel like you're fighting one guy. You see, number three, we see our flaws. God always sees our potential. We see our flaws, we see our downfalls, but God sees our potential. God saw in Gideon what Gideon had no idea was there. And God sees the potential in you that you didn't have no idea was there. Point number four, we see our inability, God sees our ability. It's just a change of, of a couple letters that takes us from a zero that takes us to a hero when we trust in God. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Whose battle is it? The battle is the Lord's. It's not ours. Now, let me give you the progress of the story. I've got to wrap this up. Gideon rallies together uh, all the, the fighting men that he can. He rallies an army of 32,000 men. And God says, it's too many. You're going to think that you did it. He said, tell you what, tell everyone who's afraid, go home. And 22,000, two-thirds said, bye-bye. He's left with 10,000 men, and God says it's still too many. You might think that the battle you won, I want it to be clear and obvious that I'm going to win this battle for you. He said, take everyone down to the river to drink. And he said, everyone that gets down and laps like a dog, you're going to tell to go home. And everyone that cups with their hand, you're going to tell to stay. So if I'm Gideon, I'm like, hey, guys, come on down. Let's just all get a drink before we head up to battle. Everyone just be really think about how you want to get a drink. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and coach him, give God a little more help. And watch this. 9,700 men came, got on their hands and knees, and drank like a dog. 300 cupped with the hand and drank. And God said, those are the people I want to use. Those are the people that will go into battle. I asked the Lord, I said, what's the difference there? He said, the people that are drinking like a dog are selfish and their only focus is about meeting their own needs. The people that cupped with the hand were focused on the mission. We're looking for Midianites. I'm going to cup from the hand because I'm ready to go to battle. He said if he had taken the people that drank like a dog, they would have ran the moment it got, it got scary because, because their focus was on saving themselves. He said, I want the 300 men that have faith. Faith is what makes the difference. And so as the story goes, the 300 positioned themselves around the meeting night camp that is there in the valley. God knew the power of reverb and the power of echo. And, and he had 300 men spaced around, and they all had a, a pot to break. They all had horns to blow, and they had, they had torches to raise in the air. And when Gideon gave the sign, they crashed the pots, they blew the horns, they and the echo of 300 men sounded like 300,000. The Midianites come, they come out, they look up, and they see fire all the way around them. They hear the thunderous roar, and they say, we're under attack. Draw your sword, kill whoever is near you. The enemy wasn't there. The enemy was themselves. And it was one of the greatest slaughters and victories in Israel's history. The Lord accomplished it. Gideon then goes and cleans up house. On your notes this morning, you become the hero God ordained you to be by trusting him and taking simple steps of faith. Simple steps of faith. Simple steps to say, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to walk by faith. And, and you see, heroes are not great people, but they are simply people that have put their faith in a great God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. 1 John 4, 4, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over these people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray that all of us would have a new view of who you say we are. That we would, we would take this access of, of who we are in Christ and we would live it, walk it, and fulfill it. And the Lord, that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we would study the scriptures, we would engage with other believers, we'd be stretched and grown and challenged to, to become better today than we were yesterday representing the kingdom of the living God as sons and daughters that would bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
heads up, eyes open. Without Jesus, this is you. Without being born again, this is you. A sinner, doomed for hell, separated from God, no access to God. But when you come to God, He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't point out your sin. And I remember when you did this, and I remember when you did that one. He simply says, let me take who you were and let me cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. Because I want to remember your sin no more. And I want to give you a new life, and I want to give you a new hope, and I want to give you a fresh start and a new beginning. And you can't earn this. It's a gift of the Father's love. Because he loved you, he gave his son to die for you. And all you have to do, as the Bible says in Romans 10, believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you can go from a zero to a hero in the kingdom of heaven in one simple prayer. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you, we're going to close the service. But before we go, if you say, Dean, I need Jesus. I need to be born again. I'm going to count to three. And when your hand goes up, I want you to raise your hand high. Hold it there until someone comes to pray with you. But when your hand goes up, this place is going to cheer, shout, and celebrate with all of heaven of your bold hero decision to stand up for Jesus Christ. Jesus stood up for you on the cross. You don't need to be ashamed to stand up for him, especially in a church. He's going he's gonna to be your Lord, be your Savior, and he'll come into your heart and live with you forever. On the count of three, Dean, I need to be born again. I need a new beginning with God. Here we go. Raise your hand really high. One, two, three. Shoot that hand up. There's one. There's two. There's three. Anybody else? Yes. Way to go. Way to go. Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise God. Amen. Pastor Brad. Hey, thanks so much for watching. I hope the Word of God is changing your life and you're being blessed and ministered to by participating in our services and enjoying the sermons that you see here online. If by chance that you've never made a commitment and a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you take a moment right now and repeat this prayer with me and take that leap of faith and put your trust in God. Pray with me now. Dear loving God, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sins. And I invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Father, for saving me and loving me. In Jesus' name. And just like that, you're adopted into the family of God. If you live in Colorado Springs or are going to be in the area, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our Woodman campus is at 4005 Lee Vance Drive. That is at the Woodman and Rangewood intersection. And our South Campus is located at 262 South Academy. Join us at either one of those locations. Check the website for service times. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.